We're, you know, no, I don't think that's accurate enough, but there's another phrase that we could use. How do we spell this out as accurately as possible so that we could grab a hold of this and keep each other accountable for it and we could endeavor, we could pursue this? And these are not, I'm not, one, uh, a few caveats as I'm beginning, in the, all of the values are within the Bible. I'm not going to talk about valuing the Word of God today, but every one of these values are rooted and spring up out of God's Word. Values, why values? Because values beat vision. Vision often has related to it numbers and dates. We want to be this big by this time. We want to accomplish this thing. And it's okay to have numbers. I mean, in my mind, definitely, I want growth. I want to see us multiply. But if we have the right values, it's like having the right dirt that we're living in. We're putting the seed into it. We're watering it. Life is going to come up. If we are living out those values, then there's some things that are going to happen spontaneously that having goals can never accomplish. We, we, we want to be living this out, not just kind of having some goals out in front of us. And uh, negatively, you'll never get where you want to go if you don't have the right values in place. And positively, we believe that if we create this environment, we can get there. Now, in... John chapter 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, if you abide in me, my word abides in you, you can ask what you will and it shall be done. He uses this phrase, abiding again and again. And that is a picture of living in the values. You don't see a tree going, I want some fruit to happen. You know, how many of you have been walking by, you know, apple trees? You just see, you hear all this groaning and straining going on. Those are the cows in the field next to it. Those are not the trees themselves, okay? What the, what the tree is doing is it's just basking in life, rooted in healthy ground, and it's being nurtured, it's getting sunlight, it's getting water, and fruit is just happening. That's, that's where we want to be. That's what I'm talking about when we're talking about relational values. So, what are they? Boom. Passionate worship, humble service, authentic relationships, honoring collaboration, courageous generosity, and loving compassion. So I'm going to blast into all this. Passionate worship, extravagantly loving Jesus. So it's not a metered thing. It's not like... We're doing something perfunctory when we get together. It is can't-be-contained desire to express love. It's overflowing. And we're welcoming people home, right? So I've got this house illustration as I go through here. We want a house full of the presence of God, just dripping with the presence of God. And an awareness of eternity. We are, we're not just living our lives so caught up in what we can see and hear and smell. But we're caught up in this, there is something bigger. There is a creator. There's the invisible one. The one who has all power, knows everything about you, and loves you. That's the one we're talking about. And he's, he's not visible, but he can see you. 
and He can hear you. And as we're walking through our days and we're reflecting on this, there's an awareness of eternity that grows around us. Some illustrations that I'm going to be using on each one of these, I'm going to try to draw something out of the book of Acts, and then I'm going to talk about something that's happening in the life of our church. Just examples. Are we, what is it we're doing specifically as we're talking about these values? And with this passion for Jesus, it's both mystical and practical. It is aware of God, but also get, getting up every morning and reading your Bible. Taking practical steps and pursuing Him. So the book of Acts, I love these passages. See, we want to be, there's, there's ways that when we grow up, we want to be like this church that walked with Jesus. These, the apostles were alive, lived and walked with Him. And so there was an accuracy of understanding what it looked like. And, and so those were what we're drawing illustrations from. In Acts chapter 4, in the 31st verse, uh, Peter and John went to pray, met a lame man on the way. Anybody know that song, a children's song? They, they said, rise up in the name of Jesus, and they got in trouble. The church prayed, and they were delivered out of that, and they jumped into a prayer meeting and invoked God's presence, and something really cool happened. It says, the place where they were was shaken. That doesn't mean that people were doing this. It means small earthquake happening inside a building. Something supernatural was going on. And it, when supernatural things happen, it's because the supernatural comes in touch with the natural, something has to give. And there was such a deep expression of eternity happening in that room that the walls couldn't handle it. They started actually living out, acting out the intense presence of God. Anybody kind of like that stuff? Say, woo, me too. Okay, Acts 13, 2. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, community, and the church in a, it's a city called Antioch. It's kind of inspiring to us around here. They were gathering together, and they prayed, and the Holy Spirit spoke. So these are our values, okay? We want intimacy with Jesus, and we believe that there's a reason. There's something that happens in that environment that God's presence is responsive to us. His voice is responsive to us. Now, examples here, when we get together in worship, I want someone that's never been in church, someone that doesn't know Jesus at all, I want them to feel welcome. But I also want everyone in here to feel totally abandoned and comfortable to fully express yourself to Jesus. This is... It's open time for open hearts. It's a, it's a time where you should feel like I can pull back every layer in my life emotionally and say, I love you, Jesus. That's what we want to be happening in this time. We're not just singing songs. We are really tapping into the place in your life where you're, you're able to express yourself deeply. And worship is, is not just happening here on Sunday mornings. It's happening in your dorm room, in your apartments, in your houses. It happens in my car. 
I, I need a certain level of volume, actually, in order to experience God's presence in my car. Anybody with me there? So I, I've been doing Will Reagan's latest album, Tell All His Friends, Tell All My Friends, and just uh, uh, laying it all down with Jesus on the road in the morning. Lay it all down. You know, like people, I'm, I'm doing my thing in my car, you know, in 95 when everybody's going 10 miles an hour, and there's one guy in his car is going. <laughs> so it's happening there. Expressing my desire, expressing my love for him. So extravagant, extravagant love for Jesus is one of our values. And that's the first value. If we don't get that one right, we, don't, we ain't got nothing. It starts in him. He's the one that's, that loves first. And we don't love him out of our performance. We love because he loves you. He knows your name. He cares about you. There's an affection, an interest, a, an awareness, a focus on you that starts first. And out of that we go, yes, Lord, thank you. You love me. I can't help but love you back. Next one's humble service. There's a little bit of overlap in this. I think uh, as I talk about humility, I talked about it last week. It's the key in our relationships. It's not about who's right and who's wrong, who can win, who's in charge. It is this desire for the other person to win, to make them big. And so I, I see it as a house where there's lots of room. It's a big house. When Susan and I first got married, actually, now six years into marriage, so you can help me out. Back in the early 90s, we uh, bought a house in East Austin. I don't know why this is, but East whatever normally is a little bit more difficult part of town. And so that's where we went. And we, we thought that was cool to be in a diverse neighborhood. The house that we bought actually had graffiti on the inside of the house. So it was, a, it was an interesting place. But it was a big house. We had seven bedrooms and three baths. And we only had two children. So I did want a lot of children. I negotiated that early on. But uh, more than that is we wanted room for others. And over the course of, of the next 10 years, we had families, singles, Individuals, we had like multiple singles living with us. We had a lot of room in our house because we wanted, we weren't thinking this is mine and I'm afraid who might get it. We just wanted to give. We wanted to be generous. We wanted a big house. And so humble service is the opposite of a top-down structure. We're not leading in a way here at Antioch where we're like, did you check all the boxes? Are you doing it right? We are, we're not controlling. We're the opposite of that. We want to give you authority. We want to give you power. We want to give you ability so that humility is making others big. This is what Jesus did. You know, he's about to die. And he goes to his disciples. 
girds up his, what is this, you know, skirt? I'm not sure. He has his, his clothes, kneels down on the ground, pulls out the water, and gets in the very lowest position and freaks them out. Like, whoa, this is culturally unacceptable. You're, we know you're the big guy. You should not be washing our feet. And he said, if I don't wash your feet, if I don't serve you, I can't have any part of you. He turned that whole concept of authority on its head. That's what we're endeavoring to do. In Acts chapter 6, there's a, a conflict between two Jewish communities, but they spoke different language, the Hebraic and uh, Hellenistic Jews. So all this cultural conflict is way, 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 way rooted down in our bones. So here, in this church, though, they embraced that conflict, resolved it, and released more people into service. It's interesting. They said, we, want, we need some deacons. This is Acts chapter 6. The first two people mentioned are Stephen and Philip. And as those men served, what that led them to is Stephen preached one of the most powerful messages in the Bible in the next chapter, and he's martyred. And the next, a couple of chapters after that, Philip is, is filled with the power of the Spirit, ministers to the Ethiopian eunuch, and has, uh, well, he's translated, actually. He moves to another location really quickly. This power is deeply connected to humility. It's not separate from it. It emerges out of this. So, what do we do here? We got move-in madness coming this Friday. And it is just fun to serve other people. They kind of freak out a little bit like, I don't know you, you're carrying my boxes, do I give you money, what's going on here? And we say, no, 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 no. We just love to do this. Service is delightful. It gives us purpose. We love sharing meals. Do you need food? We have people that want to come over, welcome you. If someone has a child, if someone's uh, in a difficult spot, we love to bring food to them. If, there's a, if you're moving, we don't just wait for move-in madness. We, how many of you have moved people multiple times in this congregation? Other people have said, just wave hands, lots of hands waving. Yes, I know you're out there. I see those hands. We like to help. We are deeply enjoying service. We like people picking people up at the airport, taking them to the airport. If you live in Boston, you go to the airport a lot. And this humility means you're not waiting for the pastor to tell you what to do. I am waiting for you to hear God and obey Him. Do not... Wait around for instructions. You get them from him and go for it. We're looking for ways to give you more and more tools so that you can serve God. Not waiting for the plan. In a sense, we're giving you broad, really important pieces of this plan. Last week, this week, next week. So that you can go for it. Honoring collaboration. No, excuse me. Authentic relationships. And this is growing an environment of trust. So we, we want a safe house 
where you can take risks and people will be there for you. So what's lacking in the world around us? Stability, consistency, trust, depth. Those are the things that we are saying, Lord, build that in us, grow that through us. And a key part of this this trust thing is that it has to be earned. There's faith. We, we initially say, I, actually, the more mature you are, the more risks you can take in trusting others because you can absorb disappointment better if you're more mature. You're more practiced at forgiving. You're more practiced at trusting and, and, and investing in others. But if you're not, this is kind of scary for you. You don't know how far you can extend yourself. So... Here's another one of those wonderful promises in scriptures. You are going to be offended. Isn't that good? Mm, I love that. Matthew 18 talks about offenses will come. But when they come, how do you respond? What we want to be about is growing the maturity and the character to deal with conflict. It's not a matter of you're going to have conflict. It, I can just promise you, unless you live as a hermit, you will have conflict. If there is another human being in your life, you will have conflict. The smaller they are, the more conflict you will have with them. What we want is to grow in learning how to deal with that. And develop those skills. That is maturity. And when you resolve conflict, trust grows. I believe any, any key relationships that I have in my life, until I've had a real wing-dang-do blowout and gotten to the other side, there's not that much strength in the relationship. We're still trying to be nice around each other. How are you today? I'm fine. I hope I say the right things around you and you don't get mad at me anytime soon. The people we have trust with, John Clark, you're on the front row smiling at me. I haven't called your name in a long time. I've been very disciplined about that. But he's a good example. I mean, he and I have been in arguments and offended each other probably about every other week. And there is deep trust. We are going to get to the other side. The people in the room are not always sure. (laughs) But between us, we're pretty solid on that thing. My closest relationships are people that I have conflict with and I get over. Do you have those skills? That's who we are. That's where we're going. We're growing this environment of trust. In Acts chapter 2, every day... 46 verse, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So authentic relationships really do do require a certain amount of repetitive connection. We're not just showing up on Sunday mornings. You've got to have multiple times where you're interacting, where your paths are crossing in order to have depth of relationship. And they were doing it every day in Acts chapter 2, at this season. And 
for us, the, the way we do this is life groups. That means there's a place where, see right now we're all, now, now that I'm doing this, we're all facing in the same direction. And we want to get into dynamics where we're all facing each other. That you're, you're a part of the conversation. You're not just a listener, but, but you're involved in the back and forth conversation. That happens over meals. It happens where you live. And one way or another, we have to grow those types of dynamics in communities. If you're not in a place where there's a give and take in a conversation, you're missing out on relationship. We have to grow this. We have to do this. With the families, it's, uh, y'all, I think for college, young adults, where there are not children, it is actually a little, a little bit easier when you're not as distracted. With the families, we work again and again on different ways where we can understand how to do multivariable calculus and pull all of those abstract pieces together and grow in depth. One of the things that we're going to be doing this fall, I'm just talking to men in here, and that's young adults as well as uh, those of you that are married. We're looking for ways to bring men together in groups of three and four in discipleship. We're going to be doing a breakfast somewhere toward uh, the middle or end of, of September, and we're tell you all about it. Last time we did it was called Dudes and Donuts. We have seen bacon-covered donuts, and we like them. So uh, we're thinking of different hooks that we can use to pull people in to beginning that process of building authentic relationships. We've got to find ways of connecting consistently and building trust. Honoring collaboration. This means living out the multiplied strength of diverse teams. So it's it's getting all of the strength to come to the table. Being in a team is making sure every person is operating maximum skill, maximum strength. And our house, therefore, is a functional house. It works. And everyone is engaged. No one's sitting back in the corner going, well, they don't know me really, or I don't have a part that I can play, or I'm not a very good backup singer. Everybody's engaged. And that happens in that, well, it happens, hopefully, there are more than 30 people, I don't know how many people are involved in setting things up today, maybe 40 or 50 are working on everything, we're putting tents up and getting hot dogs to working with children's ministry, working with worship, setting up chairs. Everybody is engaged in this, in this process, hopefully. You can all put up a chair at the end of the service today, and you can say, I was involved, I contributed. But you also need to do this in teams, and that means a smaller number of people working together to accomplish some goals. We is always more powerful than me. That strength of a group. And God gave us diverse giftings. He created, he, drew, he created all these different cultures. He created all these different personalities for ability. In Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 13 again, 
The church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So in this church, they had diverse gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. So this diversity we see in Ephesians chapter 4. They had diverse cultures, and they, had, they were diverse socioeconomically. There was a guy that grew up with a king, and then there was one who was poor. So this is our example. As we, as we look at the book of Acts, we believe that diversity makes us stronger. And here at Antioch Brighton, we pull all these gifts together in order to accomplish ministry on Sunday. But we collaborate. We're part of, of a larger movement. There's uh, maybe over, I know we're at least 30 congregations around the country. But we have three in, the, in this city, and we want to plant more churches because we believe there's room for more leaders to emerge. And we collaborate on things like world mandate. It takes a lot of energy to, to be involved in a, in a larger conference that we do the last week of January, I believe, this coming year. So collaboration requires functional teams, and we want honoring collaboration. That means, again, it's not a top-down thing. It's a place of service. Then courageous generosity. Gladly giving all that we have to Jesus. And this is this house where there's always enough and more than enough. So not just enough for you to be able to do, but enough for whatever you need. In Acts chapter 4, 33, God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that they, there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and was distributed to anyone who had need. That, that verse ends with a story about uh, a guy whose name is Barnabas. And he sold a piece of property and just said, Hey, whatever the, the body needs, I want to help in that. Acts 2.44 all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. We're trying to live this out. There's people that are living in one another's homes. There's people that are supporting others so that they can be involved in ministry. Actually, everything that you give as far as a tithe is releasing people into ministry. Our, our sacrificial giving and your regular tithing are about how can we together see the kingdom of God come in Boston and in other nations. But there are people here that are... Uh, you know, this is actually a complicated one because I know stories about people and how generous you've been, and I know that it would not be appropriate for me to tell those stories. It would be embarrassing because you didn't do it to be known. I just want to tell you, people are giving a lot to each other. There's a lot of service and care and nurturing that's happening in this community that is very humbling. And um, so, don't always know what the, the right hand, know what the left hand is doing. 
But there's people giving each other groceries. There's people taking care of each other's children. There's people giving money for repairs on different things. They're helping in large and small ways. One of the things that we do that's really fun in the spring to just express our generosity is we sell cakes. We don't just sell any kind of cakes. We sell really cool cakes. And we auction them off. And we raised over $10,000 selling awesomely beautiful cute, delicious cakes last year. Courageous generosity. You don't always have, you don't have to have a lot in order to give. You just have to give. What is a way that it means, it's taking you to the next level of faith. I want to be engaged. I want to sacrifice. I'm, I'm doing this joyfully and out of faith. Loving compassion. The last value I'm going to talk about today is looking beyond ourselves. So we've got an open house where all the kids in the neighborhood feel welcome. That was Susan my desire always with our kids. Like, we want the other kids in the neighborhood to be at our house. We want to be this place where we're, we're connected with and in cultivating who we are and investing and multiplying that right where we live, wherever we are. In Acts chapter 6, I mentioned that phrase a little bit earlier. There was, uh, this discussion was all about caring for the widows. So this was what was going on with the, the, the early church. They were concerned. They were administratively organized in dealing with every widow that they could. In Acts chapter 15, we have Peter and Paul come back after uh, Paul and, uh, is actually the one who's come back, but Peter is walking with him and presenting to what is the Jerusalem council at that point in time. The need for the Jewish church to allow the Gentiles to come in and not have to go through all of their rules and all the different cultural things that they had in place. So there's this desire in the early church to say, I'm going to fight to make room for others. I want to go. There's, there's a line that somebody's drawn here that says, we're in and they're out. And I want, to, I want to know how I can pull those people in. For us here at Antioch, a key ministry that happens is with the justice engagement team. They've pulled us into working with refugees. They've led out in us serving this school. So we, we do different things over the course of the year to help this specific community, the, the families, the children, the teachers that are here at this school because that is a diverse world. And we want, we want to bridge that gap. I have a good friendship with the principal here. All of the teachers... This week are having their retreat at our building in Waltham. If you want to come on Wednesday and Thursday and serve the teachers as they're doing their retreat at our building in Waltham, we'd love to have you. We, they're coming to our territory. We've been on their territory for 15 years, and we've just been growing this relationship, and I... And I just threw it out there. One, it actually, her name's Samantha. 
and Sam and I are talking, and she says, we're looking for a place to do this. And I said, come on over to our house. It's big enough. We want to have you with us. You've been good to us. Please come on over. So the Justice Engagement Team has helped in that process. We, we look for ways to give to the poor. Again, uh, inspired in different ways by, by that team, the JET, but by many of you who just come with an idea or don't, don't have to present it to leaders. You don't have to go through the committee. Just If God's showing you a way to give, look for creative ways to do that. Let's give and serve and love. This is a crazy bunch of people, and this is a dangerous place. People in this room care for foster children. They adopt children. They look for ways to extend the lines of family and care for those who are needy. So, all right, we've got some values here. And these are important to me. I really feel strongly about every one of these. And I believe if we we're all moving in this direction, it's, there's, there are no limits for love in these areas. There's no limit for passionate worship of Jesus. There's no limit for humble service. There's no limit for authentic relationships. There's no limit for honoring collaboration, courageous generosity, and loving compassion. We don't, we're not... Like, we've got to make sure you don't get out of line. Make sure you don't do this wrong. <clears throat> We're just saying, go for it. Knock yourself out. Get out there. Grow. Give yourself to these values. And you're going to create an environment that is powerful. You're going to create an environment that is spiritual miracle grow. That accelerates the life of healing and whatever is happening in your life, emotional healing is going to be accelerated as you walk in these values. And community is going to thrive. So, got a couple of challenges for you. I, I want you to do this stuff. And so, these, these values are not just a given. They're not going to just happen. It takes emotional effort. It takes calendar choices. So, just kind of look around, the right and left right now. You might look over your shoulder if you're really brave at somebody behind you. I'm asking you to work with these people. I'm asking you to think about the teams that you might be involved in. One of the things that's really cool is that we've seen people start in college, build friendships, and start churches in new cities. And take teams and move to the other side of the world. We've done it. We've done it here. So we don't have limits like, oh no, you're the little guys. Y'all can't play till you get in 14th grade or something, you know. <laughs> Jump in, do scary stuff. Build teams where you trust each other and take big risks. The rest of you, don't be alone. There's any way we can pull you in to, to partnering together? Let's figure it out. But if you find yourself isolated, we're, we're, we're thinking about that, praying about that. How do we pull together? But extent, you've got to, don't wait for someone to ask. Look around. How can we work together in this? And then 
take out this little device. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Anybody of you have one of these little things? These are uh, technologically advanced relationship builders. They have the ability to connect with people that are like thousands of miles away from you. Mm. They have little calendars in many of them, not all of them. Some of them are still like, look like clamshells and they have all of these different resources. Mine has an apple on it. You may have a banana. It doesn't matter. But you make time in your schedule and you talk to people so that you can meet face-to-face and work together. So I want you to take your phone out of your pocket, stick it in your hand. And we're going to pray over your relational technology device. (laughs) Saying... You are not my relationship. Talk to it. You are not my relationship. You only help my relationships. Okay? I always tell it that. It kind of wants to think it's more important than it is. And we say, Lord, give us real relationships. Give us honoring collaboration. Build friendships in our lives, Lord, that are substantial, where trust is happening, where we offend each other and we get over it, where we're living out our lives purposefully as teams, where we are involved in reaching beyond ourselves, where we're pulling people into passionate worship for Jesus. Lord, help us. Now, I want to, in your little device here, I want to talk to you about a date. Let me make sure I've got it. I think it's Saturday the 9th. Yeah, that's right. Saturday the 9th of September. We're having what we call a vision rally. And it is our, it's at our church in Waltham. And we want to take people that believe in these values. It's a week from this coming Saturday. We're going to meet at 8.30 in the morning. We're going to have bagels. We used to call this a leadership rally, and I erased that name slightly. It's a slash vision rally, and I'm just saying, I want more people there. You may say, I'm not a leader. I don't care. I want you there. If you're signing up, I want you there. You put it in here and say, I want to be a part of this team. I believe in what you're talking about. How does this fit into my life? Come join us. And we'll be communicating some of the details of that, but it'll be on, on that Saturday. And I want you to, your, your response right now is to turn to September 9th, Saturday at 8.30, and put an appointment on. Call it the Vision Rally. Say, I want to be there. Huh? Uh, 17 Spruce Avenue in Waltham. Spruce Street, excuse me. It's in the morning. We're not doing an all-night meeting. We'll do that some other time. This is during the day, 8.30. And you have to communicate that you're coming or you won't get a bagel. Okay? Who can they communicate with? John, you're my, like, my, my twin here. Kendra. Is Kendra in the room? Kendra's cooking hot dogs. He's out there. 
Someone else that's really responsible that can help me. Who do they? Res- huh? Talk to anyone with a t-shirt. What an incredible concept. Give them your name. Say, I want to be on the team. I want to do this stuff. I believe in these values. Will you stand up with me right now? We've got our worship team come on back up here. As we worship, we're just going to dive into this. I'm going to stop talking and come back up in just a moment and close. But as we worship, I I want you to say yes to Jesus. Start with passionate worship. Extravagant, passionate worship. And your, your response is, yes, Lord. I want it. I want this. So do that as we worship.